show is broadcasting live from the Podcast Detroit studios in Royal Oak, Michigan. For more information about this show or our network, please visit www.podcastdetroit.com. Coming to you from the Detroit Sound Studios above Active 8 Gaming, it's The Undercard. Bringing you the best in hand combat coverage with feature interviews, major events, and the hottest ring girls from around the nation. The Undercard is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. And now, here they are, always in your corner, Brad, Marv, and Jimmy. Welcome to the Undercard, everybody. It's officially episode 219, and we got an incredible show for you. We got the always vocal Leonardo Tyner. If you're not familiar with Leonardo Tyner, uh, he's kind of like a... I guess he's a boxing fans kind of boxer. A uh, record of 30 and 10 uh, with two draws, but he brings it every time. One of the hardest hitting boxers to the body I've ever seen. Uh, Leonardo Tyner is going to be joining us. And you know what? I get to announce who his opponent is. I got a hot take on uh, everyone wants to know who his opponent is. Hot off the presses. Right. And if you're a betting man, you always take I will not pronounce it right. But for <laughs> sure, you think I'll get that right when I uh, talk to Tyner? <laughs> no way. Uh, yeah. Maybe Jimmy will announce who it is. Uh, but, uh, I can try. We, we, do, we do know who his opponent's going to be, which is great. The Detroit Brawl's coming up. Uh, January 22nd, it's a Sunday night, Sunday night boxing at the Masonic Temple. Tickets are available at the Masonic Temple box office. And then later in studio, dun, dun, um, dun. he's been on the show uh, quite often. The uh, phone calls. Uh, by phone calls, but right. never in studio. Nope. So thank God he didn't see the beginning digs. <laughs> and uh, James Gray, uh, all-around great guy. SFS had about four. Wow, just keep the applause going. <laughs> like, I didn't know how long it went for. <laughs> someone it's James Gray. Yeah. We got to keep the applause someone going. Someone had the you. orchestra music, though, to cut her <laughs> off from the applause. Uh, but James Gray is going to be in here. SFS, Scorpion Fighting Systems, had uh, four huge announcements. I don't want uh, – I mean, they're already been announced, but I'm going to allow James Gray once again to tell them. And that will be at about the eight. 30, I'm, not, I'm not sorry, 7.30 mark. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to be calling uh, Tyner really quick, um, maybe in like two minutes. But really cool. I have to admit it. In two minutes, two and two. Two and love, two. Love connection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to strike you down right now. Anybody that is going to make this a political issue because it's not a political issue. <laughs> but I had the privilege of meeting uh, the vice president of Joe Biden. And I don't Uncle care. Uncle Joe. And I don't care if you're Republican or and I don't care if you're Democrat because it's not a political issue. Anytime you can meet somebody that in that much power is really, really cool. And uh, so we're we're greatly happy. Um, it's just Marv. It's just Marv coming just in. Uh, whether you're Republican or Democrat or not, having a chance to meet him was really cool. So I had a bad day up until then. And then it became a much better day. So. That's all I'm going to say about it. What are we talking about? Uh, uh, Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe. Meeting Uncle Joe today. Oh, 
Awesome. Yep. So I'm very and, jealous. And, and very, very no jealous. Marv, not your pervy Uncle Joe that lives in the shed. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Jimmy. He just passed away. So No, he didn't. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> subject. What is this, the fifth time he's faked his death? <laughs> the insurance keeps paying out. <laughs> well. What do you, you expect know? him to do? Exactly. So we have Leonardo Tyner's number. We're going to call and go right into the show. I have to warn you guys, I'm organized tonight. It's going to be a good show. Is that what the half-naked man, the picture of the (laughs) half-naked man is in front of me? Uh, that's James. That's right. well, I see that, but I'm just like, short. Well, I'm just saying you said you're organized, so organized means half-naked men. <laughs> on this show, yes, it does. And Paps Blue oh. Ribbon. Hey, Leonardo Tyner, you are live on the undercard. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? How's it going? Uh, very good. We're disappointed you're not in studio. The rain kept you away. Oh, I know, man. You're, you're, you're uh, so I sad. Send me up another date. Wait, well, I have to check the weather in advance, apparently, because the rain <laughs> kept you away. You know? Uh, yeah. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Just got finished taking my old man nap, so I'm back to 100% again. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, those are important. Those old man naps are important. Let me reintroduce. Oh, I- oh no, keep going. Yes, I just found out how good they are, and I've been using them ever since. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me reintroduce you again now that you're on the air with us. This is Leonardo Tyner. He's 30 wins, 10 losses, 2 draws, 19 KOs in, like I said before, one of the hardest punchers to the body. Uh, he's got a fight coming up in Detroit. It's been a long time coming. It's happening January 22nd. I know you're moving a lot of tickets, Leonardo. I saw you doing it the other night. Uh, going to be a big event. Uh, the pain server's back, and uh, I was just told by Salida Promotions that I could announce who your opponent is. So yes, you can. Uh, I can't pronounce it, but Me I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say it's Isvan Dernananich. Have Jimmy do it. It's yeah, uh, Jimmy. You try it, and if not, spell it out. Okay, uh, Isvan Dernat. Uh, Dernatius. All right. He is. Uh, that wasn't any better. I just he's 10 and 4, and he's going to be trying to play the spoiler. <laughs> At least had a little F. <laughs> he's going to be trying to play the spoiler to Leonardo Tyner's homecoming here. Um, so let's talk uh, really quickly, Leonardo. Uh, uh, back in the ring after a little bit of a layoff uh, at the Masonic Temple. You're always in the Detroit boxing scene. How, how do you keep the nerves down uh, getting ready for the fight? Because. You know everybody's going to show up for your fight. Well, man, I'm just excited just to, to be back. Literally, just to be back in the ring and to be fighting at home, man. It's it's just a wonderful thing there. And we try to get guys, different opponents, guys that want to fight. So I guess we had to go across the world, get a guy from Hungary, you know, to, to pick the fight. I guess because he don't really know me, and he's like, "Come on with it," and he's trying to, he's gonna try to spoil it. But you know, I, I appreciate him taking his fight because none of our U.S. guys wouldn't. Now you're also taking on a little bit more of a role as a mentor. I've, I've noticed you and a couple of the other Detroit fighters that I grew up uh, with, just watching you and everything like that. Uh, you're also doing some corner works for some young fighters. How do you like the role of being a mentor to the young talent in Detroit? Man, I, I love it, man, because 
different guys helped me out as I was coming up, even though I came in as an old man, you know, I still needed some kind of help and guidance. But, you know, with those young guys, I'm saying working hard, and, and I see when I'm talking to them, they, they look like I did their hair like they're really listening. They're looking at me and listening. So that that gives me the, the, the incentive to keep talking to them. And, you know, they're listening, so I can't help but to keep talking to them. And they're working hard. They, they're trying to be better. They're trying to make it. So you can't help but help guys that's like that, you know, and I'm, I appreciate you helping them. Now, according to BoxRec, uh, you have a fight going on on February 24th, too. I know you wouldn't ever look ahead, but uh, tell us a little bit about the fight you have up in uh, Quebec. Well, yeah, I'm fighting on Castillo Clayton, Olympic guy, a Canadian Olympian. Undefeated, 10-0. Um, right, for the NABA title, WBA. So I'm looking forward to that, to be right back into the mix of where I left off at, you know. So we're going to fight this guy here from Hungary, you know. And, and put on a good show, get some rounds in, and get ready for that guy, Canada, for the title. So I'm looking forward to everything. I'm not going to look past this guy here because he can spoil everything for me. So I got to do what I have to do to get rid of him and just continue training for this guy in Canada. Now I don't have no excuses because I don't have, it ain't no short notice, and I had time to prepare for him. So there's nothing I can say. I can't even use that rob me down there now because I know what it is. I know what I have to do, so I can't let them rob me or nothing. If they do, it's no excuse. I'll give you a little hint of something that wins over the crowds, though. And, and trust me, you're an entertaining fighter, so they're going to applaud at the end of the night. But learn a little French to just say thank you to the crowd when they, they interview you and stuff like that. So maybe work on a little bit of French before you get up to Quebec, and they'll appreciate it, the media up there. And that way you can communicate with the fans a little bit, too. Okay, but you know, hey, I think I what all only thing I know in French, I think is we oui, we oui, whatever. <laughs> just okay, I don't know. <laughs> just remember this Some phrase on TV, but I will. I will take that into consideration, though, for real. It works. I mean, you, you, if you're able to say just a simple statement uh, to the crowd in French, because that's uh, a very uh, what eighty percent French speaker speaking in Quebec. I think it'll help you help you out a little bit, especially during the media week. But uh, very exciting fight. But like I said, let's not look too far ahead. Uh, Masonic Temple, January 22nd. Tickets are still available. You can actually get them through Leonardo Tyner just through the end of this week, and then he's actually going to start focusing on the fight. Or you can get it at Ticketmaster or at the Masonic Temple box office. Um, Leonardo, as you grow into this more mature role, where, where do you think after you retire? Because, I mean, you're a little bit older than my age, but you're on the backside of the career. Do you, do you think you want to be a trainer or management promotions or where, where's the next step after when the pain server finally calls it a day? Well, I was, I mean, I was always looking at, um, other fighters that, that retired and, and they were still in boxing. I was like, man, why them guys still in boxing? Like, you know, it's like they should find something else to do. But actually, it's like it's a good transition over there. It's like you want to help other people, you know, like train them. You either manage guys or be a promoter. It's like it's, it's no it's no use of leaving out the sport. It's like everything is there, and it's, it's just being a helpful person in the sport, making the sport better. So, you know, I used to look at them like, man, get get away from here, you know, if you when you get a chance, you know. But actually, 
you want to stay around. You don't never want to lose it, you know, because once your career over and you helping other guys, you be wishing you could fight again. So it's like you never leave. Because once you're in the sport of boxing, I'm telling you, it's, it's a life journey. And you want to stay around it and stay in it and help out me as people as you can. Because if you don't, you'll be a bitter person. You know, you'll be bitter towards boxing like, this guy's a bum. He can't fight. You know, if you're one of those types, then you can be out of boxing. But if you're not that type, you want to be inside boxing, helping people and helping these kids out. Now, now I, I say this all the time on the air. In the seven years that I've been doing boxing, I never saw anyone outwork Mayweather in a training camp and having the opportunity to see some of that. Uh, you spent a lot of time with Floyd Mayweather, preparing him for fights. You've been around a lot of other fighters. A comment on Floyd Mayweather's work ethic and what you've learned from seeing Floyd prepare for a fight. And am I right to say that he is the hardest working? I, I always knew you never were going to outwork Mayweather in a training camp. Right. He was, man, he the type where it's like he's pull, he pulls up in different expensive cars every day. But once he inside the building, he act like he's just as broke as everybody in there. You know, he's just constantly working harder. Like he got something to prove and something to get, you know, like he need this next fight to, to make it, you know, to make it to where he at now. He just, I just was watching him from afar. You know, he just constantly working, man. And just acting like he's broke. You know, he got all the money in the world, but he's in there training. Like he needs that payday. Like the next fight is his biggest payday and he got to get it. So he just constantly working, you know, we he'd take us all out and, you know what I'm saying, we'd be out with him. And next thing you know, he'd be like, let's go to the gym. And it might be three or four o'clock in the morning. And next thing you know, we pack it up, we go into the gym and, and he's working hard, you know, all night, the rest of the morning, all the way then, you know, but once he sleeps, he sleeps, he gets his rest. But once he get up, it's back to work again. So would you agree with me? Probably, I mean, you've seen a lot of boxers, but work ethic-wise, where Floyd Mayweather fall on your, your radar? Okay, I've seen a lot of guys work, it, but he he just, it's constant work. It's like, it's from this exercise to this one, to that one, to this one. After he finish all that, then he might just leave out the gym and go run. And then he'll leave, you know, he'll probably be over. He'll go home. Next thing you know, you get a phone call. Later on that night, and he's going to come back. Come on back, you know. So you got to be on your P's and Q's. I've never seen him take a drink. I've never seen him do nothing, you know. The only thing I've seen him do that's just kind of against boxing is be around a lot of women doing training camp. But other than that, he does everything right, you know. He might buy the bar out for all his teams. And everybody's just drinking. He's just looking and, and smiling, having fun, and seeing that you having fun. That's what lights him up, I think, to see other people enjoying themselves, having fun. And that's his thrill now in life because he didn't have, he got everything already. That's a great observation that uh, you were able to make over. I mean, you were out there at least a year, right? Almost six, eight, yeah. six, eight months a year uh, out there with Mayweather. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, you know, he goes in there and he, he acts poor. Um, you have any advice for these new boxers that are coming in? Because the game is changing. It, it, whether it be because 
everything's down in attendance wise, whether it be hockey, whether it be boxing, whether it be basketball. I, I saw a game the other night at the Palace, and I could swear to you it looked like maybe only 200 people were there. The game is wow. changing. Uh, people like to sit at home and watch stuff more because of high, high definition and everything like that. Um, any advice you can give to fighters and promoters that, to keep it fun and entertaining, the type of fights you bring to uh, the table? Well, to the, my message to the fighters is you guys got to fight someone because you guys, nobody would know me if I did took the easy route. You know, if I took the easy route, of course, because I build my name up, I'm undefeated. But soon I go out of town and fight somebody, I get knocked out. So the guys, they got to, they should fight somebody at home so they can have at least a home field advantage for a minute, you know, instead of going out on a road and fighting a big fight at the same time. So that's, that's double on them. You know, it's, it's hard. But. What got me, how you guys talk to me and know me now is because I took the hard road. I took the hard fight. So that's how the world know me now. If I had just sat back and, and, and try to pick and choose who I fought and get all bums and all that, y'all just know me in Detroit. And then once I get out there and fight somewhere in Philadelphia, Vegas, I'm getting knocked out. So it's going to boil down to the same thing, using nobody. So you got to fight somebody. You got to take your bumps and bruises in order to come back, you know, to be for a major comeback. You got to, you got to go through it. But I'd rather for them guys to try to fight somebody hard at home so you can get that under wraps. And then when you go out on the road, it ain't going to be just as hard. It ain't going to be double, you know, double the trouble on you. You're trying to fight somebody hard and you're on the road when you used to fight bums at home. That's crazy. These guys better wake up, and these promoters, they better start making these guys fight. But they try to, but the fighters don't want to fight. They only want to take the fight. Right. But I understand them, too, because they don't want to, they, they want more money than that. But you ain't did nothing. Forget the money. So everybody got to stretch each other's back, man. It, you know, man, it, it'll be a better, better place for everybody here. But it, fighters got to fight people. Promoters got to pay too, you know what I'm saying? Everybody don't gotta. Everybody have to sell tickets and fight. You got me selling tickets, and I gotta fight a hard guy, not really getting paid for it. Come on now. Mm-hmm. So I understand the fighters part too, but I understand the promoters part too. See, I'm not worried about that. They ain't got enough money to find somebody to come in here and beat me in Detroit. I ain't worried about it. I'll fight anybody they bring out. They ain't gonna pay enough. For one of these top guys, I wish they would. If I could have me a hard fight at home instead of going on the road and fight. So, if you got enough money to bring a star in here to beat me, that's better for me anyway. I'm looking forward to y'all. If y'all could pay for a big name to come here and fight me, I would love it. In in talking about taking the hard road and everything like that, I'm just looking over your career again and uh, that that stretch where you fought Jesse Vargas. Those those four fights. This is the combined record. You you lost the four fights, uh, but the combined records were seventeen and zero, sixteen and zero, nineteen and zero, and twenty one and zero. I mean, those were all undefeated fighters. You're taking on people that uh, most people would have avoided at the time. Uh, and you know, I like always talking Canelo Alvarez. I know you caught him really early in his career down in Mexico and stuff like that. But you gave him the battle almost. <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, right. 
I mean, do you ever just sit back and think if that would have went my way, which would is is difficult uh, in Mexico, obviously, because you lost unanimous decision. But did you ever think if if that happened? Uh, where I mean, just think about that. Canelo wouldn't be the superstar he is, probably. If if let's say if I'd have beat Canelo down there, which it was a close fight, it could have went either way. But of course, Mexico is going to say unanimous decision. But I'm saying. If I were to beat Canelo at that time, we would still be in the same place we is now, because they still would have they still would have marketed him and, and made it where he the he the man. So, and I would they and one thing about boxing, you only get calls if you lose, if you if you easy if you can get beat, you know, they give you a call. But if you were on the winning streak. It's gonna be hard to get fights. Like when I was on the winning streak, I couldn't get no fights. Then once I start, I took I took a loss, and then I took another loss. Then I get calls coming back. And once I start winning again, my calls stop. So the boxing is set up for if you a guy that I can use my fighter to build off you, and if they can win, we gonna call you all the time. But if you a hard fight, we don't need you. We'll go somewhere else and find another guy like overseas with a good record and beat him and, and field off him. All right. I got backwards. I got a correct pronunciation of the guy you're fighting. It's S Von Dernanix. So that's who you're fighting on uh, yeah, January twenty sixth. That sounds better right there. Dude, I, I, I've never over the six years said I don't butcher names. I mean, they 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 razz me all the time. I'm just happy the guy sitting across to me that we're interviewing next has uh, two very basic names with James Gray. <laughs> but uh, I want I want to thank you so much for joining me, Tyner. You're always fun to uh, catch up with at the fights. You know I'm going to be there. Uh, checking it out and seeing where you're at, and uh, good luck in the next two fights. Uh, perhaps we'll have you on before your big, uh, big fight up in Quebec. And uh, I'm going to hold you to learning a little bit of French. Trust me, it's going to go a long way. Right, I, I need that. I'm going to learn a couple words. <laughs> she got knocked out, and I appreciate this. The welcome, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's exactly, and I mean, if you think about it, de, de toi, you know, you're halfway there. You know, you come from Detroit, so it's just de toi. So you'll, you, you know, you just work it in there. <laughs> Be careful yeah, I that heard one. that too before, so I, I guess I can learn that one. All right, man. I will but talk I was to you there before. All right, take care, buddy. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. All right. That's Leonardo Tyner. Like I said, you can get tickets uh, January 22nd. It's Sunday. I like that it's Sunday, actually. Mm. Weigh-ins are 2 p.m. at Greektown Casino. So if you want to ch- come check in weigh-ins, that's a great time to meet fighters, get autographs, get pictures. Leonardo Tyner is one of those guys that you'll never regret getting a picture with. And, um, you know, he's just entertaining as heck. Yeah. Uh, we were just yeah. – um, at, uh, you know, Dearborn Performing Arts Center yep. for uh, fights. And, you know, every time you look at him, you just, you know, you laugh because he's just happy to be there. You know, <laughs> he's never having a bad day. Um, but we're going to move on to our next guest really quick, transition over to him, because I, I think the two things that these guys have in common is, one, they don't back away from tough opponents, and two, both of them don't have bad days. Every time I uh, talk with James Gray, very positive guy. Uh, I'm sitting across from James Gray, four and one as a professional MMA artist, and one and zero oh as a professional boxer and uh, owner of uh, Scorpion Fighting Systems. How are you doing, buddy? Yes, sir. Uh, I'm doing great. It's cool to be in the studio and actually see where you work. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> well, I've always thought work well. Uh, work. Wait. 
Wait, work. Wait. Hold on, work. <laughs> and not not only <laughs> that, uh... but but you reserved yourself for the best uh, version of where we do our podcast. If you had come Thus in the far, beginning, yeah. If you had come in the beginning, you would have never come back. Oh. If you had come in the like the last one we were at was pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Was pretty nice. This but is pretty awesome. You, you still had to go upstairs. This yeah. is this is awesome. Yeah, yeah. this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You can tell it. Jimmy and I base how much we like a place on whether or not we have to use stairs. Well, we went from four <laughs> flights <laughs> to one flight well, just, it, to it has, no flight. It has steadily gotten better. Right, I agree exactly. with you, but <laughs> like that's how I measure. Like but, oh, it's like it, the like like this is one floor. I don't know how we get better than this. Like, well, we see, walk I know, in. See, I know what you're going to do. You're going to put in your new rider for the new contract that you have to be wheeled into the new studio. <laughs> well, red technically, <laughs> technically, that's in there now. I just haven't held you guys to. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, really quickly, I want to go through his stats. If you're a boxing fan, stick around because James Gray is a lover of all arts. Um, I know we have these fans that are like, oh, I could tune in for the boxing. Oh, I tune in for the MMA. Give if you're here for the boxing for Leonardo Tyner, stick around and listen to this guy's guy's resume really quick. Uh, Nickname the Phenom for one reason and one reason only. If you go through his fight history in amateurs, uh, there was only one fight that went to the second round. I mean, the guy never even saw ring girls for half his fights. Uh, his first win was 11 seconds, first round. Second win, first round, 18 seconds. Third win, first round, 127. Fourth win, this is Amy's. One, uh, first round, 151. Uh, fifth win, first round, 21 seconds. Finally sees a second round, second round, 106. Uh, then first round, 146, 133. One, uh, round one, 137. Round one, one minute. Round one, 148. I've never <laughs> seen a resume like no. that in amateurs. No. And I've said this before, and I've said it to James's face, and I've said it on the air. Yep. Everyone asks, who's the best in MMA in Michigan? Yep. It's James Gray. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not how often you fight. I think James is very good at nurturing other fighters mm-hmm. and building businesses and stuff. He's got a lot going on. I like that he took a break from his loss. We'll, we'll get to his pro career here in a second. Mm-hmm. From Brazil. Um, he's a guy that's not going to be broken like a Ronda Rousey right, from a fight. Yeah, uh, He's going to be able to bounce back. But then let's go over his pro career, all right? Not only does uh, he come undefeated as an amateur, immediately in TWC wins by submission armbar, first round. Uh, his second win at uh, TXC, uh, submission rear naked choke, first round 129. Uh, his third win... Is uh, so then he entered a contest down in Brazil, and we'll talk a little bit about it with uh, James here. But you're asking an American to go down there and fight their best, right? And James Gray goes down there, wins first round, one twenty five, goes and wins again, submission, rear naked choke, first round, fifty four seconds. Uh, unfortunately, in the finals of the Night of Champions XFCI uh, ten. Uh, that was uh, July 4th. He did uh, lose from TKO punches uh, in the first round. But what a freaking resume, my yeah. man. I mean, that's just unbelievable. You're I the mean, best. No, nah, nah, I don't know about the best or anything like that. But uh, there's a lot of things I like in life. And being punched in the face doesn't you know, come up on the top of my list out of all the things I love. So generally, <laughs> you want to stay pretty. Yeah, if I can get in there and just finish the fight quick, first right. round, choke a guy I out, mean, make him tap, yeah. sweet. You know what I mean? You still get paid the same as a pro. You still get everything the same. So why go in there and take a ton of damage, you know? Right. 
Uh, also one and oh, undefeated as a pro boxer. I was there at the we event. Were there. That was you wanted, like a bet. You wanted me. You wanted me to write jujitsu. <laughs> Uh, jiu-jitsu person wins boxing match. Yeah. I remember you gave me the title. Yeah. Uh, first off, I have questions Which is not, here. Not true. Boxrec is calling that the Desander Pavilion. First off, I was there. That was like a porch, Listen, a shed. That was literally there were chickens for ring girls. Right. There were, there was, you know. they were selling like pop out of a cooler. Yeah. If that was That's a pavilion, awesome. my back porch is an amphitheater. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay. You have the greatest venue in Michigan. If that was a you know. <laughs> right. Was this in Port here? <laughs> no, it was oh, in right. St. John's, was Michigan. There, oh, okay. Well, St. John's. Well, I mean, that place is. I mean, it's not that big. I mean, that's it's the best well, they can when do. When we man. pulled up, we were driving up a gravel driveway, and there's pole barns and stuff. And I see like chickens walking around. I'm like, I don't think. We're in the are, right yeah. Are you sure you didn't just go to fighting? Are you sure you didn't just go to like a farm and the yeah. farmer just rolled with it? He was like, "Yeah, y'all can have a fight out here in my barn." Yeah, no, it was it was awesome. It was exciting. <laughs> well, uh, so let's start SFS. Okay, um, we've talked to you before, but just recap really quickly: uh, Scorpion Fighting Systems. How long has it been around? Uh, it's been in Michigan for about six and a half years now. Okay. Uh, it started out of my basement. I started training one guy. I worked at uh, Champion Chevrolet, which is like a GM dealership. And I worked 72 hours a week. When I'd get home, I had this one friend that wanted to learn jiu-jitsu. He'd come over to my house. I'd train a little bit. And it was just like super casual. Like I never thought I'd be a coach full-time. I never thought this would be a career path for me. Um, but then he said, hey, I'd like to compete. And I said, yeah, pick a tournament. doesn't matter. And I'll train you for the tournament. We'll, we'll see how it goes. So he picked like the Michigan Open or something like that. And, you know, it's a legitimate jiu-jitsu tournament. And uh, he just cleaned up, won, won all of his matches, beat everybody. And I'm like, hey, that was pretty good. You know, we're going to put you in another one now. You know, you won that too easy. So uh, I just started entering this kid into jiu-jitsu tournaments constantly. And he was winning, 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 doing better. And then I went, uh, I wonder if it's just him that's the exception. I wonder if it's, you know, if I grab anybody off the street and start teaching them, will they be as successful? And so I just started telling anybody, anyone that can come over, train for free, no charge, come in my house. I'll teach you jiu-jitsu if you want to compete, cool. If you don't, great. And uh, more people started coming, and then they competed, and then they started winning, and then they told their friends. And it got to the point where I'd get home from, from my work. I'd, I'd open my front door, and there would literally be 25, 30 people sitting in my living room, sitting in the kitchen, waiting to train jiu-jitsu. It was, it was a madhouse. I, everybody on, in my neighborhood thought I was a drug dealer. How did, <laughs> they, <laughs> how did they get in? I, I, I don't lock my house even still. Okay. So, so what, what's your address again? If you want to rob me, go ahead. No. Yeah. no, I literally, I don't lock my house or anything. So I would just get home to my house well, and my house would be filled with people. I don't, yeah, well, of course Ooh, you don't lock your How'd you like to be the guy that breaks into James Craig's house? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you catch him home, you're in trouble. Right? right? Yeah. Absolute trouble. Uh, I honestly think 10 years, 15 years down the road, the way they make movies like The Blind Side and stuff like that, I think they're going to make the mo- uh, a movie about it. <laughs> Oh, that'd be pretty incredible. You know, it started as just such a, like, I mean, if you would have met me when I was 19 and and the dreams that I had, like, I was like, I'm going to fight all around the world. I'm going to do, I'm going to start the most successful team in the Midwest. Like, I'm going to train people to the UFC. And like, and I kind of got the normal, like, sure you are. (laughs) Good luck with that. You know what I mean? Best of luck. You know, I I won't hold my breath. And, uh, you know, it's so much has come true and kind of everything that I've envisioned has happened. And I don't know why that is. And. What what's the cause of that, or how it just keeps coming to manifest into the, my life? But we set goals. We look at the current you know uh, product we have, and we say like, okay, how do we push this envelope? How do we get bigger? What's the next step? All right, we have ten successful fighters. How do we get twenty? How do we make those fighters better? 
And somehow it just just keeps growing out from under me. And, that is the mystery know. that we sit here and we contemplate all the time. We're like, I know not to bet against so you guys. Good? Yeah. yeah, I know yeah. not to bet against you guys. I, I mean, well, that's what, what's what's your phrase, Brad? Uh, three certainties <laughs> in life: death, taxes, and SFS wins. Yep. I mean, that's yep. the way it works. Yeah. No, you Absolutely. guys have you guys have been huge supporters of us for a long time, and you've really seen the evolution of the program and, and how far we've we've developed. You know? Unfortunately, we have not been able to see the growth of the gyms. Oh man, if we, yeah. we were at the second gym. Yeah, so if you came into our gym now, you would be speechless at the difference. One was, it was just like, it was probably about as big as this building. Yeah, we had a small little, it was like, like 2,300 square feet. Yeah, yeah. 2,300 square feet. It was by Los Tres Amigos. Yeah. By, uh, yeah, Total Fitness Center and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we couldn't put a ring in there. There wasn't enough space for any of that, you know, so it was like super, like we made uh, the best of with what we had, but that's all we all we had. Now we took over like a former gymnastic studio. We got 8,000 square feet. We got a dorm room in there. We've got showers. We've got a full-size cage. We had a boxing ring. I mean, it's just, it's <laughs> every day I walk in the gym, it's hard to believe that that's where we train. I'm like, this is our place, man. This is crazy. You know who you remind me of? And, uh, and I, I'm just going to say this, body, physique, and power. Because it doesn't look like you have it, but I've seen videos of the stuff you can do. Bruce Lee, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're absolutely – you can do stuff. Uh, I've seen you do fingertip push-ups. I've seen you do stuff that people can't do. They videotape it. I remember uh, people would put it on there. You're very shy, but people put it. You you have an ability that is definitely God-given, but then you also have like a hard, a hard-working ability. But you, you have that unbelievable – Factor like a Bruce Lee. I'm trying to think of the other stuff I've seen you do, like which the is chair challenge, the, the chair challenge, poles and all those stuff. Yeah, it, yeah. It just starts as my friends going like, "Do something crazy and let's try to do it." And then I do something like you know, hold myself sideways on him. Yeah, Liz, flag he, he or, can hold himself you know, sideways on a flagpole, oh, like and it looks 11. like the wind is yeah. blowing he him away. Like he, yeah. he said like it ain't no thing. He's like, and then you know, I just do some crazy things like hold myself sideways on a flagpole, <laughs> yeah. or, and they, they just have fun with it. And call it like the James Gray challenge. Like, all right, we're gonna try to do that, you know. And so that chair thing, it actually got on TV. Like they use it. There's, yeah, I don't, I can't think of the name of the show right now. But one night, someone was just watching TV at home, and it was like crazy challenges. And then there was a like they just took it off YouTube and it was me like doing a full circle around the chair without touching the ground and I'm like I'm like oh my god it's on TV tonight you know like and it's just yeah it's uh it's just I don't know I've I've uh I've kind of been a natural at a lot of things I've done in my life like whatever sports I played like I'm a small guy so I wasn't cut out for like football Bruce Lee was a small you know, guy yeah for sure but I uh you know there's certain limitations of what I think I could accomplish but like anything I've put my mind and heart into whether it was hockey football whatever I was just kind of naturally good at it I was just okay I like to do this but nothing really hit home with me the way jiu-jitsu did like when I started martial arts I was like this is unbelievable you know I I, it's just such a journey there's there's so much to learn and 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 uh, there's so many different interpretations and different ways to take in information. And like someone will t- say you have to do it this way and somebody else says, no, you have to throw your arm bar this way. And then you can build your own system. And, and a lot of people like uh, kind of clashed with me for a while because of that because they're like, you can't do your own thing. You're yeah. not, you know, you're not under anybody. Yeah, you're self-taught. You're not allowed to do that. And really at the end of the day, man, in our academy, it's just about what works. That's it. Like I don't care if it was taught by Grandmaster Super Saiyan, whatever, or whether it was taught to me by Brad Snyder who said, hey, I got a new idea for how you should finish a short choke and you show me it. If you can break down to me why it makes sense, why it's difficult to defend and, and, and how it's practical, I want to use that. I want what works in the simplest form. And a lot of 
times people get stuck on things. They get stuck on, well, this is tradition. This is how I learned it. This man, that would be like saying the Model T should have been the only vehicle. Like we're right. supposed to evolve. We're tell supposed him, to, you know. I'm sorry. Tell him your 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 theory on people working for other people. Oh, okay. So I I, I have a theory that there's a few a few people, and I'm one of them that can't work for other people. There's just there's just I can't. But when I find someone I respect. I can work for them, and I, I I think that's what you're getting at is that like maybe he's kind of like the me. why and the how. Oh, those that were those that know how will always work for those who know why. I, I firmly believe that. That's that's uh, actually a quote that touches on. Uh, I'm about to give away a secret on it here. The number one reason I think we're successful at SFS is because I teach every student that comes into my door why, with whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a technique or. I break down to them why. And most instructors show you how. They show you like this is how to do an armbar. But like they don't make it click to you with like why do I use that technique at this moment with this resistance like this? Mm-hmm. And I break down like why does it make sense to, to, to use this? And I make people try to think of it the way an instructor would think of it versus the way a student who learned a technique would think of it. I try to train my people to understand the why of a technique. You know what I mean? So, so like when you come into SFS, I don't teach you how to do a triangle. That would be like teaching you the two plus two equals four instead mm-hmm. of breaking down the arithmetic of why these two numerical digits adding together equal this sum. I want you to know why. And like I, I train my students like that so that my goal one day is for them to be much better than me. If they understand it the same way and then and they can apply it and put their own interpretation on it, you know, I'm limited to my perspective. As much as I've gained and as much as I've learned and as much as I've taken in over the years – I can present all of that information, but then maybe somebody else has a little extra touch that they can add to it. So I try to break down every bit of of why I understand the application of something, give it to them, and then they make it their own. You know, we're going to go to a quick uh, two song break. Uh, we're joined by James Gray, uh, owner of Scorpion Fighting Systems. Uh, he had four big announcements. Stick around after these two songs because he's going to go back over his four announcements. And we're going to talk about uh, well, I mean, all of it's big news. So we're yeah. gonna we're gonna break it down for people that don't know. Uh, see you guys back in about six minutes. Welcome back to the Undercard episode two nineteen. Well, I didn't know I was talking over Def Leppard. Uh, nobody, Girl, nobody Girl talks Liz over Red, say Def Leppard. Not allowed. Right. Uh, we're joined by James Gray. Uh, if you're tuning into the show midway through four and one. Pro in MMA, 1-0 pro in boxing, also the owner of SFS, uh, Scorpion Fighting Systems. Uh, a couple big announcements you had last. Actually, four big announcements you announced on New Year's Day or was it New Year's Eve? Yeah, it was uh, It was New Year's Day. We, we, we hyped everybody up on New Year's Eve, but we started actually letting the announcements roll on New Year's Day. All right. Let's, let's run through them. Uh, what was one of the announcements? Let's, let's start with the heavyweight tryouts because Parisian's been bugging me forever. He, uh, we love him, by the way. Yeah. Oh, He's Parisian's, hilarious. He, he is one of the <laughs> Him and his girlfriend people. on Facebook make me laugh all the effing <laughs> he, time. He is cut out to actually be like a comedian or an on-air personality, really. <laughs> it's just lucky for me that he fights because he's hilarious. You can't be around him without just being like, did he just say that? Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, half the time you'll, I'll walk up to him in class and go, Josh, please filter a little bit 
little bit more than what you're saying. Right <laughs> we, now. We, yeah. still, we still laugh at this uh, a moment, and I don't think Josh knew who I was at the, at the time. But you know, he, he's getting ready, and it might have been a pro boxing event or something. The way in, the way in thing. So. Everybody, you know, is always shirtless for the weigh-ins. And he, he gets his shirt, and he's getting ready to, like, do his thing. And I was like, oh, no, you can put on your shirt. And he goes, I'm the only one that has to put on their shirt. And you know, like, and the table will be like, remember the time you made remember me put on Remember when you called shirt? me fat? <laughs> I didn't do that. I was just like, you know, no, nah, you can put on your shirt if you want. I, I don't know why it is, but uh, our academy has been, like, a complete uh, magnet for people, like, 55 and under. We have so so many monsters at like 25, 35, 45, 55, and girls. But for some reason, we just have never got a lot of big guys. Like Mike Wojciechowski was one of our really successful big guys, and then Josh Parisian. And beyond that, like big guys come and then they go and they come and they go, you know. Um, but but our little people, the retention is like through the roof. So I was talking to Parisian for a while, like I'm going to find a way to bring in more big people. And I was just sitting around brainstorming one day and then I was like, you know what? We should do a tryout where we literally test people's heart, their athletic ability, their more so their. I'm, I guess I'm kind of giving this away. We're not li- really looking for what they can currently do as an athlete. We're looking for heart. We're looking for perseverance for for people that are willing to push themselves. Uh, you know, people that are coachable. Things like that's what we're looking for in this tryout. Um, we want to just bring in heavyweights, and we're going to offer a year-free all-access membership to SFS. And basically, Parisian will be like taking these people under his wing. Whoever gets selected, we might give away one. We might give away two. It depends on how good the people are. I mean, we might give away three-year memberships in this. Where's he? Uh, where's he looking for these people? Uh, so we're just blasting all over social media. We don't care what their background is. Whether you have no background and you've always just thought like, man, maybe I can be a fighter. I think I have what it takes to be that type of person. Or like former wrestlers, former boxers, or current. You know what I mean? We're just looking for people that think they have what it takes. Maybe they haven't had the right environment. Maybe they haven't had the right coaching staff. Maybe they haven't had the right opportunity. Money's an issue. Whatever is because we're saying hey if you prove to us that you want it you desire it and you're going to work hard and you have the potential we're going to take care of your entire training costs so all you have to do is show up and pursue your dream you know which is 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 a big opportunity and and not only will they have someone like parisian to look up to and say like this is the model that will follow but they have you know they'll have all of our coaching staff to just guide them through step by step you know, so we really hope it uh, generates a lot of interest, brings a lot of people from all over. We have no idea who's going to show up, whether it'll be one guy walks in the door or we'll get 20 people going like, man, I'd like to be a part of this. But I think if they realize the magnitude of, uh, you know, like, man, this will change your life forever. Mm-hmm. Becoming a fighter, like uh, I, I always try to explain it to people like this. If you're a football player, you're a hockey player, like while you're on your field, that's your discipline. That's what you are. That's, you know, you don't really go through life as a football player. As a martial artist, it changes every aspect of your life. The way you carry yourself, your confidence, the way you interact with people, the you just have a certain aura about you that people like. You know what I mean? It's like a very laid back but yet uh, like, man, it's just a, a, a good aura. So if I can show people like who they are now versus who they would be if they dedicated themselves to training and martial arts and because martial arts is more of like a uh, an inner journey and a mental journey than it is a physical one. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard, but it's hard mentally. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a constant battle against yourself to be better than you were before and then stop making the errors that you, you find yourself making and you get caught and you ha- you do something dumb and you, you get beat and you have to do it again and then you get beat again. and then So it's just such a good sport for the for the mind and the psychology of people. So most of the best people I've ever met are martial artists. Very good statement. Uh, announcement number two. 
Uh, let's see, which one should I say for number two? Uh, we have a second location. Number two, second That's huge, location. Huge, though. Huge. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's a big deal. You it's know, like the second McDonald's opened back when uh, Ray Kroc <laughs> decided to franchise them. Yeah, we decided, man. We uh, on a on an average night now, our mats are. I mean, we got eight thousand square feet, and there could be fifty, sixty people training. It's it's crazy. So we said, you know. We've done so much good for all these people in this area. Why not branch out to a new spot? So there was a gym uh, down the road from my house named Maximus Fitness Center that had like a big room open. And and the late uh, the lady that owns it, her name is Holly Brown, really nice lady, came to me and said, "Hey, I'm just looking for something new, a program that will really like bring the right energy and feeling to to, to my gym and make the right atmosphere." And she's like, "And your name came highly recommended. Are you interested?" And we we've been talking about it kind of like since late summer. And then, and then finally we, we worked everything out and we're like, yeah, let's do it. And now people are stoked. The gym's got like 750 members. So we're going to have all these new people that are exposed to martial arts for the first time. And we're doing the class in a very intuitive way that I think is going to challenge people to step outside of their comfort zone. Generally speaking in a martial arts world, you offer like boxing, kickboxing, jujitsu, wrestling, and people pick like, okay, I want to do boxing. I want to do jujitsu. We're not doing that at SOS Fire, but what we're doing is it's martial arts class five days a week at this time when you show up. Some nights you're going to work a little boxing. Some nights you're going to have to work a little kickboxing. Some nights you're going to have to work a little bit of jujitsu. We're, we're not going to tell you what you're showing up for. You're showing up for martial arts and you're going to improve your mind, your body, your understanding uh, of the martial arts game. And that, that forces you to, to experience different aspects of the game versus like, okay, I'm comfortable in the world of boxing. That's where I'm going to stay. We're going to just show people everything and then they'll truly have a grasp on what they enjoy. And this is in Fowlerville still. Yep. Give yes, us sir. the address. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't actually oh, you know. You know, I have it written but it's, somewhere. It's, well. Yeah, it's Maximus Fitness Center. If you get off at the Fowlerville exit, it is right there. Like, get off the exit. There's a mobile gas station staring you in the face. Look at the show prep. It's uh, 8067 <laughs> Country Corner Drive, Fowlerville, Michigan. Only took just there under we go. four years. Country took Corner Drive. Country Corner Drive, yes. Yeah. No, it's uh, we just painted it last weekend. We got a uh, vinyl tarp for the entire room. We laid mats down. Uh-huh. You know, we're ready to rock and roll. Classes start Monday. That's awesome. Uh, third announcement for SFS. Third announcement would be, uh, I'll say me. I signed uh, a management contract with Daniel Rubinstein, who runs Ruby Sports Entertainment. Um, he is a, is just a phenomenal guy, good guy. I've, I've met him at multiple uh, professional events. He was in Ireland when Bobby fought for the UFC. Mm-hmm. I got to know him th- through Rick Little, who is Juliana Pena's coach. Yep. They come out to our camp. Rick's an awesome guy. He's a mental genius with the S. Uh, out of anyone I've ever met, man, if you could ever get him on to talk about the mindset for building fighters, he's a genius. He's a genius. Make it happen. With, we'll do it. He gets people to think they will run through a concrete wall even if the laws of physics say it won't happen. Yeah. They literally say, yes, I will. You know, And, and I, I look up to him for that. So anyway, he kind of spoke very highly of Daniel and said, man, you should, you know, you should consider this, blah, blah, blah. And Daniel and I talked back and forth. And then Daniel's like, man, I think you have what it takes to be at the elite, you know, to be competing with some of the best in the world. You know, I know you're coaching. I understand that you're guiding all these other people, but you know, you're young, you, you, you know, you're talented. You should get back in the ring. And so we finally said, you know what, let's do it. Signed on with him. 2017, I'm going to be in the ring four, probably three, four, five times is my goal. Five would be awesome. That is sweet. Uh, announcement number four. Uh, As if you getting back in the cage is not a big deal. That's huge. I'm actually blanking out right now. On what the fourth <laughs> Do you know what the fourth one, one is? Yeah, the uh, instructor. Hmm? Instructor. Karate. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, Juan Perez is gonna <laughs> kick me in the head. <laughs> yeah, it's because we've we've boosted all over now. So I'm thinking like, what other news is newer? So anyway, uh, Juan Perez, who is like his name is synonymous with Taekwondo in the Livingston County and, and actually the Michigan community of Taekwondo. He's trained several people that have gone onto the national team. His daughter was like just under the Olympic level for Taekwondo. He's been doing Taekwondo 30 years. He started in Mexico City, like a true martial arts, entire lifelong pursuit of martial arts. Uh, a phenomenal guy. And actually, he was uh, he's been training jiu-jitsu with me almost six years. So crazy story to not take up too much time. But Juan Perez came into my dealership, said, hey, will you take me up the road to kills? I said, oh, you train uh, martial arts? He said, yeah, a, I do taekwondo. I said, oh, I do jiu-jitsu. He goes, what's that? Now, most traditional martial artists who've been practicing one discipline for 25 years are not going to jump at the opportunity to try something else. Right? So for sure. And he goes, well, I'd love to try that sometime. I told him a little about it. He said, I'd love to try it sometime. Let me know when you're training. I'm going to be there. And I said, we're training tomorrow night at my house at seven o'clock. And he goes, give me your address. And, I, and now the amount of people, if I had a dime for every time someone told me they were going to come and train and then right. go, oh, I'd be Bill Gates. But, <laughs> but Juan said, I'll be there at seven. And I'm not kidding. 658. There was a knock at my door. I opened the door. Juan Sanders like, show me jujitsu. We went downstairs. We're on the mats. Uh, I tapped him out a couple times and he was like, this is amazing. I want to learn jujitsu. And so now a guy that was that, you know, over two decades of being a black belt in Taekwondo instantly said, I have to add this to my repertoire. I have to learn this game. I have to, you know, uh, be more well-rounded as a martial artist. I didn't realize I had this vulnerability. Let's fix it. And now he's super solid, really good jujitsu guy, like the top 10 in my school. And he's 55 years old. He's 55 years old. And he's in better shape than, than most of my professional fighters. It's unbelievable. That's awesome. Yeah, it's unbelievable. He runs our conditioning pr- program on, on Sundays and literally professional fighters are pouring sweat on the ground. And he's not an instructor that's saying, hey, do this. He's doing it at the same time as you in his 50s outlasting you, making you feel ridiculous. You know, you're like, that I got to keep going. so lazy. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a monster. He's every, he, he's like a legend around SFS. When Juan walks in the gym, everyone's like, oh, Juan Perez. So <laughs> having him on board now is just amazing. You know, he's, he's a phenomenal guy. So I'd say anybody, you know, the only complaint I've ever heard about our academy is very casual people say it's intimidating. Not the people, not the environment, not the atmosphere. We, we have like a phenomenal environment, but they look around the room and they see just high level athletes like, you know, hitting pads, shooting takedowns, doing submissions and people say, well, man, like I'm not at that level, I'm not yet. At that level yet. Yep. And then we go like, don't worry. We got beginners program. Like, like at a, if you came in SFS tomorrow, Brad, you would not train at the same, at, like you'd be in the same class, but like our beginners get completely separated and they have their own instructor working with them on just the fundamentals, but it's still just the the image of like, oh my God, you're going to throw me out there with those guys. I'm not ready. But now we're hoping that we can appeal to the more like traditional martial arts people as well. And maybe, you know, with the Taekwondo program, they'll be, they'll be, you know, completely, you know, learning the art the way it was designed, like their forms, bowing, wearing their kimonos, you know, everything like that. So it's less intimidating. It's not like jump in there with these professional fighters and, you know, best of luck. (laughs) (laughs) That looks interesting. What are they doing over there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a rubber guard. Why? I have no idea yeah, what that is. Yeah. Why does that guy look like a pretzel? Yeah, I can't bend like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Neither can he. Just watch. Yeah. <laughs> now I broke him. Just just watching you. Uh, very nice guy. You're very humble too. That's the best compliment I can give you. You've been humble for the five years I've known you. Where uh, you know what? 
I, it's ridiculous the the infighting that goes on in AMI, MMA Michigan or, or anywhere. You know, where they, oh, I'll fight you, fight you, fight you. And you're, you, when you hit the boards, you're really humble, very respectful of everybody. But I've seen you in the cage too, and you're an animal, man. I mean, you're a different being when you get in there. You have the the best tattoo I've ever seen for a fighter. Which, uh, if you guys haven't seen it, he's got to well, show no, you. Well, yeah, I got, what the God? <laughs> right? Is that? Like, are you? You, you see that across the cage? You're not going to run towards him. Ouch! So, I mean, it's literally, you know, it's a samurai, right? Yeah, it's uh, a samurai taking off someone's cutting head. off a demon's head. Yeah, there you go. Oni, um, right? It's an Oni's head. So the idea, it, it actually, it's, like, yeah. so, so it's the, a samurai the, cutting I, off a demon's head, riding on a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> the idea, because my my grandma went like, "Oh my god, that's so that's so grotesque." Like, why did you get that? But the idea of this tattoo, the, the the concept behind it is by being a warrior in your life, you overcome your fears, your doubts, everything that holds you back, everything that makes you a lesser version of yourself, all the excuses you t- tell yourself, all the things that limit you. Like when you walk in a gym, you say, "I can't be that guy." Like those are your doubts, those are your fears. When you think that, like, I could never be the guy up on that stage performing the way that those people are, that that is. The, the, the shadow of your personality or whatever you want to call it, that is the thing that is going to hold you back from being something you know extraordinary in life. So the, the concept of the tattoo is by becoming a warrior, you kill that demon or that doubt, that fear, that whatever you want to personify it as. And by doing that, you're your, the best version mm-hmm. of yourself. You know what I mean? And, so that's like a daily reminder that I have to be somebody that even if someone says like, you can't open a second location, you can't do this, you can't coach it. I go like, absolutely not. I'm going to and we'll be successful. And not only that, it's a good reason for him to lift his shirt up every chance. He <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's the case, then I was just I'm doing that. Say, that's why my tattoos on my arm. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna Nobody. Say, if if that's the case, then I'm going to say you can't open a third location in Dearborn, Michigan. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. Just throwing <laughs> it on the table. <laughs> yeah. Approximately half a mile from two seven eight nine. Now I have to ask, like, in your future projects do you see yourself becoming a life coach because your way of thinking could help a lot of people not even through the martial arts world depression yeah not a Mm -hmm. lot of people know this about me but like i uh i do a court program uh tuesdays and thursdays for two hours every single week where uh i work with like uh the juvenile court of howell and i do that exact thing for those kids like they just need an example of like what is it like to carry yourself respectfully to 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 you know, just, just have the right outlook on life. You know what I mean? Like life beats a lot of people down. Life like kind of just tells you what you're capable of doing or what you're not good enough for. You know what I mean? A lot of people go through life as like a shell of what they could be because someone along the line told them like, no, that's not in the cards for you. You can't do that. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, And it beats people down. I hate to see that because like, man, why is somebody else more entitled to living their life the way they want than you are? That doesn't make sense to me. So like I do – I've done a couple graduation speeches. I recently got brought into the uh, veterans court in Howell where they have like veterans that have been overseas that came back and like can't get their life back together. They're dealing with like PTSD and they – you know, and then they're in and out of the courts and they got felonies and stuff and, and they get put in this separate program and try to like turn their life around through just you know positive human interaction and, and just, just small friendships and things. And I, and I, and I spoke to those guys and, and it's uh, – it's it's almost weird for me to do because I don't feel innately special in that way that I have any answers that anyone else doesn't. You know what I mean? Like I don't feel like I have any answers that someone else doesn't have the same access to. But I just don't believe that we're not 
capable of doing what we want to do. So, so when I, when I talk to people, when they give me these dumb excuses that they'll say things like, Oh man, I just, you know, well, I had this. And I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? If anything, it'll just make your story cooler. If you came from nothing or you had this horrible background or you were abused or that there's, there's people that have like tons of stuff that's stacked up initially. That just makes it that much more intriguing and more inspiring when you are successful, when you are somebody that Cry. that did something. Like, seriously. You know what I mean? Like that 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 moves people. Yeah. Wow. You know what I mean? And 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 so like I, I work with a lot of these kids and they just come in broken, man. Like the first thing I see is they can't look you in the eyes. They, you know, I extend my hand to shake their hand and and it's 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 a weird gesture for them. They're very like, oh hit. Hi, you know what I mean? And like, and I'm going like, man, what is it? And subconsciously I'm saying, what is it about this kid that he doesn't think he deserves to be happy? He doesn't deserve to present himself as, Hey, you know, my name's Zach, you know, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. It's just somewhere along the line, life beat him up a little bit. And I just turn him around, you know, and like, if you guys stopped by on a Tuesday or Thursday, if you come out on the grand opening, you'll actually see the court program. And like, I've had this same group of kids now for a couple months. And you wouldn't believe it if you saw them the first day versus how they come in now. They come in smiling. They they give me a hug. They shake my hand. That what are we working on tonight, coach? You know what I mean? And like it's just cool to see. And like not too many people know my past of how I got into martial arts, but I was in a really tough spot when I was a young teenager, and I uh, was really depressed and had a lot of stuff going on. And uh, and martial arts was a super small window that during the day. I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was just focusing on like, hey, man, this is fun. I'm enjoying myself. I feel better. You know, maybe just releasing some endorphins in my brain and stuff moved me and changed me. You know what I mean? And like maybe if I wouldn't have had that, who knows what road I would have went down. Maybe I would have went down a way worse path. You know what I mean? So I have like a deep personal uh, something pulls me to the future that says you absolutely have to reach out and help other people because – you know, if maybe if you wouldn't have found martial arts, you wouldn't have the life that you have now. So out of gratitude for that, I try to help as many people follow that same path, you know. Thank you. Awesome. I'm just saying if they if somebody doesn't write your story and make a movie, I'm gonna do it. All right. Oh, that reminds me. You were gonna somebody ask please about... somebody please write Shut the story. Up. <laughs> uh, I write good shit. I I, I, I you had one of those words, right? <laughs> oh, I firmly I'm believe. Trying. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I firmly believe there will be a movie made. Yes, absolutely. Uh, James, James, who would you want to play you in a movie? Oh my god! I guess I just pick one of my favorite act- actors. I want like a Christian Bale. That would be awesome. Would See, be, I yeah. had I had at the beginning when when we when we first uh, sat down and talked, I had Ryan Reynolds. Uh, okay. In, in, okay. In my, but okay. now, yeah. but now because of what you talked about helping the youth and all like that, Chris Pratt. I don't know who Chris Pratt is. Uh, uh, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. Star Lord. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I actually, this is embarrassing to admit, I just watched that movie two nights ago. That's fine. As because long as Chris, seen it. Christian literally said, You haven't seen Guardians <laughs> but, of the Galaxy. You've been busy. You've been busy. How did, yeah. how did, did you like it? I liked it. I, I like okay, all the Marvel then, movies. Then, as soon then, as I saw this Marvel, I'm like, then, I'm sold. Yeah. We're good. It's, it's <laughs> okay Chris that you didn't see it. actually Captain America. Yeah, I was, when he said Marvel, I was like, Wait a minute. No, totally. Chris Evans could totally I actually walked out to the first Captain America. Yeah, that's one of the Chris to dress up, yeah. Yeah, I actually, the only reason I didn't walk out in costume, and I, I will again, uh, 
and I started the first ever costume I walked out was I walked out as Darth Vader. Yes. Right? And I awesome. walked out to Put the to the yes, Imperial absolutely. March and like and and people were laughing like crazy. That's awesome. I had a cape on. That's you know what I mean? Awesome. And right before I fought and people and I had a lot of people got say like why would you do that? And I said watch how many people remember the night Darth Vader fought. Yeah. It, all it does is it, it it makes you remember it. It makes a kid look up to a you know and go, yeah. "Oh my god, I just saw Darth Vader walk out." And it puts a lot of pressure on you. If you walk right. out as Darth Vader, you got to win. <laughs> you, you've got you know I mean, win. like you gotta win. Yeah. But yeah, no, I love the costume thing. I, I I like the idea of you're trying to transcend into something that people can look up to and and are inspired by. You know what I mean? Like when I compete, it's to inspire people. It's a challenge for myself, but it's to make other people realize that like, man, like we can do some cool stuff. Because I tell people like I'm a very normal guy. I'm just a normal guy that doesn't believe in normal standards. I just say like I know we can do bigger. I know we can you know we can push the envelope. We can go huge with it. So. Yeah, that, that I walked out as Captain America against Derek Mandel, and I, yeah. I said anyone was allowed to walk out with me as long as they wore a costume. Yep. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so any fans or anything, I said, as long as you wear a costume, you can jump in and walk out with us. Wow. That's you know, freaking That's great. awesome. They wouldn't let me in Brazil. That's the only reason I did in Brazil. If, okay. if I would have, I was going to be Captain America yeah. in my oh, first course. fight in Brazil. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of course. But, I, but I tell you what, that picture of you in Brazil, which I, I still want to make into a trading card. To tell you the reason uh, we haven't continued trading cards yet is because I got to get permission to get that picture. Is from that the, the one where he's on his knees? Yeah, and you're screaming. Do you know that that picture. That is going on my wall, buddy. Man, it, that's actually hanging at the office of my new gym. One of my students uh, got that picture, somehow contacted the guy, got the rights, got that photo, had it blown up, and then sent it to New York City to Marcelo Garcia's Academy. It's my favorite jujitsu practitioner in the world. And Marcelo signed it and wrote like you know congratulations on your fight in brazil blah 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 and signed it and i and that hangs on my wall and that is like man it's such a it's one of my favorite powerful moments so, I, uh, yeah it was just it you know what was amazing about it is it was pure overwhelming emotion that there's no thought there there's not like hey i should drop to my knees and yell and celebrate it's just such overwhelming emotion it was the first time i fought in brazil and it was a big question to be answered like I entered an eight-man world title tournament against guys that had 10, 15 pro fights. You know what I mean? The guy I fought for opening round was 6-1 and one out of Sao Paulo, and the fight was in Sao Paulo. Like, I was the B fighter brought in to die. You know what I mean? Right. Like They, they yeah. were like, bring the American guy and get him killed. <laughs> we like, deserve you know a I mean? sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. Now, see, if, you, if, yeah. been, if you'd have been thinking about it earlier, you could have worn a red Star Trek shirt. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah. Really quick, a good friend of our show, Jason Nadaski uh, from Three One Three Paranormal, uh, is listening, and he said he Hi, wanted. Jason. Hi, Jason. He said he wanted James to know that he thinks it's awesome that you're working with the kids and turning their lives around and showing them that that there is a positive side to life and that it's not all bad. So keep it up. Thanks, man. I mean, the more people, I mean, anybody can do that. It takes ugh, next to no energy to reach out and try to make someone's life easier. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and a lot of people they claim they want a better world and they say like man i just wish people were nicer to one another but like that starts with just your actions you know yeah. what i mean yeah. if you want a better world work towards it yep firmly believe that that's a why i'm starting with me <laughs> no seriously somebody throw something at him no somebody throw something at him it's why it's true man come in the on is a phenomenal. Yeah, but you're not allowed to sing you're not allowed to sing yeah you know what jimmy you're on a no singing profile i'm in i am in no way comparing myself to you but rochelle will tell you that that is my goal every day mm-hmm. is to talk to somebody that maybe needed to talk to in the day uh, I'll go in Detroit up and down and homeless people, people ign- ignore them. I'll talk for 20 minutes with them and just mm-hmm. get to know their story and stuff like that. And and you get to see that little bit of change where your like Panera, somebody's – Your Panera story. You know what that is? That's oh, yeah. hope. 
that's hope that yeah. somebody out there cares about them. And yeah. like, that's powerful, man. We were in Panera last week, this week, and there was a, an, an elderly couple sitting in a booth across from us and they were, they weren't interacting with each other at all. And I just look at him and go, they look miserable. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to go over and say hi to him. So we're leaving and he goes right up to him and goes, where'd you get that hat? And he's talking to the guy. He's like, I really like your hat. It was one of those that were like the little. It was a genuine compliment too. Yeah. I like the hat. Right. And the little things flip down. Sure. And he, it instantly, both their faces just lit up like oh, people see us, you yeah. know. And the wife had the biggest smile on his, her face and they started talking with him for just a minute. And it wasn't anything substantial of a conversation. It was just the fact that people acknowledged that they were still there. Somebody noticed. I mean, yeah. we are all in this together. We are all people. We're exactly. all wanting to be happy. Like some of the best interactions I, I, to go along that same line on, on flights. I'm constantly on planes flying to different places for fights and stuff. I've had some amazing conversations with some complete strangers on an airplane because I said, Hey, my name's James. Uh, are you traveling for you know work or, or for a vacation? And it's tr- it's gone into this elaborate you know life talk, and and it's unbelievable. And I'm, I'm actually I have quite a few of them still on Facebook, and we'll we'll keep in touch. Uh, and it's just from saying hi to somebody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So we ne- we need more of that. You know, and it's so simple. What does that take? There's there's no, no money. It's it's practically no effort. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just wanting to help other people you know what i mean like yeah i got i got a soft spot for old people and homeless people dude i'll, I'll, I'll literally do anything for like those uh, those type of people you know it's just like i'll go out of my way you know what that is that's compassion so many people lack compassion yeah, they go like the thank god that's not me <laughs> yeah, you know no, what I mean? exactly no c- compassion is yeah. a powerful thing man yeah. and imagine if you're that guy somehow life led you to that point you're sitting there you feel like there's nobody in the world that cares about you you probably have nothing that you feel is yours anymore and one guy comes over to say hey man nice hat and you have a good conversation that dude's month was better yep remember that guy that walked up to me in panera wasn't that great like literally and that's that's moving man yeah uh not marv though marv is insensitive if he gets an aisle seat on a plane he wants the only question he asks is do you got a weak bladder then he'll switch with <laughs> yeah. do you got a weak bladder because you know it's a four-hour flight that's I a gotta genuine get up a concern couple- no i don't no i i, I say like go now because I'm not getting up. <laughs> like I don't care how long this flight is. You'll hold it or you'll pee in a cup. Or, yeah. or if you have a window seat and you see it's someone's first time flying to some destination, you close it. <laughs> You'd be like, no, you've never been to Vegas at night? Yeah. <laughs> or more fun is to actually leave it up and like every five minutes just look out the window and go, oh, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. That's not supposed to do that. <laughs> There's a creature on the wing. It's yeah. on the wing. But is there more power oh, than having the, the the window power? Yeah. No. Because, right? First off, it's uncomfortable because everyone's always looking, you know, over. Yeah. So, like, uh-huh. if you're there, you feel like they're looking at you. But you can just end their day so quick. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you want to see if there's yeah. clouds? Yeah. No yeah. clouds. No, the, the, power, the power is when you get that seat right by the exit and you look around everybody. You're like, that's right. I decided <laughs> to live or die. Yeah. 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 It's all on me. Don't yeah. piss me off. And the rest yeah. of the passengers are going, will he jump first or yeah. will he help us off? Right. Uh, I'll open that and I'm out, bitches. Oh, my God. Follow me. 
how, am, how am I going to help you? <laughs> yeah. Follow me this way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, you don't have a parachute? Oh, oh I'm sorry. You didn't bring yours? <laughs> I will provide oh. cushion for all of you landing down. <laughs> we're we're going to go to our last music break. Uh, a couple I got to do, oh. do What's on Tap really fast. After he does that couple songs, uh, we're going to run some around some news here really quickly, James. You're more than welcome to stay to the end yeah. and just comment on what you think about what's happening on uh, the world here. Yeah, no problem. All right. Uh, going to What's on Tap, sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company. All right. Uh, it's just after the New Year, so there's not a whole lot going on. Uh, in boxing, January 13th in Florida, PBC on Spike. Uh, we have Rizlande uh, Lara versus Yuri Foreman. 12 rounds for Lara's WBA junior middleweight title. Uh, we also have friend of the show, Anthony Durrell versus Norbit. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name. Uh, 10 rounds for the super middleweights. Uh, moving on, January 14th. Uh, we have in New York on Showtime and Showtime Extreme, we have Badu Jack versus James DeGale. 12 rounds for the WBC IBS Super Middleweight Unification. Uh, January 14th, Invicta FC 21. Uh, we have uh, Anderson versus Tweet. Uh, that is in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I believe you can watch it on uh, InvictaFC.com. Um, fight past you. And Fight Pass 2, that is correct. Uh, we also have on January 15th, UFC Fight Night 103, Rodriguez versus Penn uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. And that's once again What's on Tap, sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company. We're going to go to a couple songs and we'll be right back. What's your opinion? Welcome back, episode 219 of The Undercard. We are joined by James Gray. Earlier, we had Leonardo Tyner. If you're just turning in, listen to it when it is a podcast and uh, tune in and enjoy it. Uh, we're just going to run through some headlines. We want James to comment if he wants to or if he doesn't have to comment and uh, go around the table. Uh, so, we were talking last week and I didn't get a chance to talk about it. Mike Goldberg. Is no longer part of the UFC, which I mean, it, it's almost like telling Ernie Harwell when they ca- tried to get rid of him as the Tigers, like you you can't you know do it. He did it for 19 years. He's yeah. the voice of the UFC. Yeah. Like he, people recognize you can be in an airport and hear his voice, him and Joe Rogan, yeah, and you know what's on. I mean, that's yeah. how how iconic he is yeah. to the brain uh, or the brand. So after 19 years with the UFC, uh, Mike Goldberg exited the promotion. Uh, at the close of 2016, they didn't really send him off anyway special. Um, but sure, they gave him a nice severance package or something. I don't know. It could have been a he contract. A, I really don't know. Watch. Was it? A gold he got watch? a gold watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but his quote was awesome. I mean, he, he's great. What an incredible ride! I'll forever be grateful for being on this journey with all of you the last 19 years. I wish I could respond to every single fan, fighter, and member of the media who reached out and showed their support, gratitude, and appreciation. It's been overwhelming and so gratified. Thank you. Now, this is all I asked you, James, because, I mean, you're going to be in the UFC, so I don't want you to attack UFC. But I know you got fight kits for the girls and fight kits for the guys, right? You, you, you work to get your brand to a certain point. When you're working to get your brand – Mike Goldberg is such an asset because his voice, here we go, you know, and that's yeah. about that's a it's bad the impersonation. Tail of the tape. Right, exactly. You got there 
And then the new owners are like, but we want to go a different direction. It's it's extremely unfortunate because, like you said, you could be walking anywhere and hear Mike Goldberg's voice and go, "Oh, the UFC's on!" Like it's right. it's it, he's yeah, yeah. iconic to the sport. It's 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 a shame. And I was expecting a huge tribute or yeah, something that says something. like, "Oh, looking nope. back at the years, thank you, Mike Goldberg. It's been a phenomenal journey." No, nope. I didn't really see any of that. It was kind of like, "Hey, you know, thanks. We're going to go this, you know, direction." Your services are no longer required, and it's thanks just for the time. It's just what is the improvement? really going to be maybe a, maybe not. a guy that's a little bit more involved in the martial arts world maybe a guy that's a little bit better on the broadcasting side but still the guy is such a a, a a profound figure in the sports history why would you get rid of him is what i would say but you know uh obviously people at the top think that they're they're making the right choice and time will tell exactly uh ronda rousey uh broke her me- social media silence uh but jimmy Yes. A week ago, yes. we talked about her being broken. Yes. And I said that the WWE would no longer be interested in her. And you said, no, that's not the case. The WWE has come out through a source mm-hmm. and said they are no longer interested in her, that she is not mentally where they need her to be. And they're afraid that fans would actually boo her or not even react to her storylines in the ring. This is coming from somebody okay. in the WWE that, that does it. First off, Rhonda needs SFS. I'm being honest <laughs> no, because true. like I think it's she's true. broken. Yeah. I think she mentally doesn't have anything going. Her her coach is taking all the heat. Did you see the thing I posted where it's 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 the animation and he's yeah. he, he's giving a move the head, move the head, and then she's trying to shoot like a deer or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Uh, <laughs> uh I you know, I don't know. In a crazy situation that she ends up with uh somebody like a James Gray who can mentally Click it back on. I think she's done. Um, But as I said before, I thought a lot of those opportunities will have now um, evaporated in the WWE, which is definitely actually where I think Mike Goldberg will end up is actually in the WWE or doing NFL football. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got too great of a voice and too much experience to do it. He'll he'll end up somewhere there, but maybe or maybe NFL or something. Um, I think a Ronda is for sure probably done. Um, I mean, you even have Cyborg saying, oh, I could train her better and stuff like this. I, 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 I'm starting to feel bad for Rhonda, even though she was a bully a little bit, because it's a lot of piling on. She was the first person in the door, and James will tell you, uh, because he's part of the sport, being the first person in the door, being successful in the sport, leaves this huge bullseye on the back of you, and everyone's just attacking her and her coach. Uh, James, any thoughts on this? I mean, uh, I've seen the hate for her coach has been just uh, un- unprecedented. TMZ's like, waiting for him out of grocery un- store. Unbelievably it's like- bad. And and, and man, I, uh, I'd i like to sit down and have an actual conversation with the guy and see what type of human being is before I make these remarks, but I'm going to make them regardless. Uh, I don't think he is a good coach for MMA athletes. I looked him up his history, and he's 2-0 and as a professional fighter, one against an 0-5 guy who's never won a fight. Mm-hmm. And the other guy was 6-20, and and he only won by decision. And it was like, I mean, he's not... I see the boxing game that he does with Ronda and stuff, but are you going to try to make 
Ronda a world-class boxer? Like, I remember him saying interviews and stuff like, I could put Ronda into the Olympics for boxing. And I'm going, you're crazy. Yep. There's not that, – that's, that's a delusional statement. That is a coach wanting her to be something that she is not. I was saying to Brian leading up to this fight, uh, you know, Brian Fornicero from yeah. SFS, I was saying the only way I see Ronda winning this fight is if she relentlessly drilled wrestling and other aspects that allow her judo to show itself again. So to compliment it, if she worked on her boxing and she thinks she's going to go in there and stand with a man in your ass, she's going to get destroyed. You know what I mean? And it was just absolute horrible strategics. It was absolutely horrible. I mean, why would you not teach that girl a blast double or another way to take someone down yeah. when they know you're going to Frankenstein reach for the clinch? Like yeah. she does it every time. Yeah. You know, you could you could train like that anybody. Frankenstein. That's what I that's what I was calling it. I, I, I feel bad saying that, but it literally looks like like, oh, you know, and, and, and from the I'm corner, going to toss you now. Yeah, yeah. From the corner, Edmund just repeatedly screamed clinch. Yeah. And it's like she, clinch, she clinch. can't. It's like, you know I what can't. I mean? So so like you would have to ask yourself, OK, what? What is Ronda's chance of beating Amanda? It's on the ground, right? Absolutely. What are the sports that get people to the ground? Yes. Wrestling would have yes. to be first. Yep. So how you didn't bring in Olympic-level world-class wrestlers for Ronda to work with and and maybe be able to surprise somebody with a level change in a shot yeah. that, that, that maybe even if she fails the shot and she's able to come up with a clinch from that position yeah. and then throw, okay, maybe she has a chance. To stand and try to throw punches, it w- it it was embarrassing. It looking. was. I mean, to the point where I feel bad for her because she fell from grace so hard, hard. Because because she has such a strong personality, you either loved her or you hated her. And anytime you take people, you know, as as the masses, and they they hate somebody, the amount of just venom that is spewed out when that person you know, loses. It's like, ah, oh, see, you're a failure all along. It's like, no, she's still more successful than most of us will ever be in our life. Right. But people are vicious. You know what I mean? So when she fell, they just jumped on that and she had her chance to come back anew. But that's not even on Rhonda. That's on the coaching staff. You trust in the people you train under. No, they made her look so, like a one trick pony. Yeah. yeah. And, and she was when she went through the sport. But like, why would Edmund not say, or maybe he just doesn't have the knowledge. Maybe he literally thought training her striking would put her to the point where she could stand and bang with with a Holly or a oh, Amanda Nunes. That's silly. Yeah. That's really horrible thing. Yeah, I think that's like an egomaniac coach that says like, "I'm gonna train you to be boxing, and you're gonna outbox the girl." That's silly. Like with my fighters, uh, let's look at it this way. I don't build people the same way. I have to look at strengths and weaknesses and body types and all those things and analyze what is most practical for this person to win a fight. I wouldn't look at Ronda Rousey and say, we're going to outbox Holly Holm. That's like <laughs> really bad strategy. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that is being said about him is kind of warranted. Now, are we inside the camp? Do we know that he didn't say, hey, Ronda, I really think we should switch it up and we should bring in these people. And Ronda might have said, no, I want to work on my strength. And then at that point, though, you're the coach. You say, if you want to train in my program and you want to be successful and you believe that I can guide you to success, we need to follow this method. You know. Well, the the thing that did leak out today, and I can't remember the female fighter, is that whoever she was sparring with did have to sign something that I've never heard signed. Raquel Pennington, and it yeah. was uh, yeah, a, a non uh, disclosure non disclosure act which makes for me sparring. Think they knew her sparring wasn't that good. I mean, that doesn't reveal. I've never seen that where it's like, you know. That you're going to reveal something inspiring. There's always something there. It's not like a game plan thing. That was the non-disclosure agreement that you couldn't talk about the sparring. Yeah. And then uh, the other uh, 
constructive criticism is a lot of mitt work, but not enough sparring. Well, and you, you saw that. That was evident the moment the fight started because mm-hmm. she put her hands up and looked like a deer in the headlights of like, oh, she's going to hit me. You know yeah. what I mean? There was no like, there was no smoothness to their emotion. No it head was, movement like, at all. Zero. I mean, that is, that is uh, what's that in uh, geometry? The perfect, perfect plane up. What's the name for the perfect plane like, straight up? Like an like, axis straight up and down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A line. Yeah. Okay, sure. Line. We'll do it. Brock. <laughs> You're talking about uh, it's horizontal, diagonal, yeah. and vertical. She vertical. was straight on the vertical plane, okay? Yep. She had a vertical axis down the center of her body, and it did not change. It did not. I yeah. mean, and even when she's getting rocked and then when it's time to maybe move it up a little bit and change, like you said, levels and, and try to throw punches from different angles. Just I mean, did, just did something different. So. Just just yep. any – I mean, you literally witnessed the same Ronda that fought and lost to Holly yeah. lose to Amanda, except she already had a questionable confidence, at least in the yeah. Holly fight – she thought she would find a way to win. Right. This fight, it was like, oh, here's a replay. Yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's be done with this. You know, so I saw Alpha Male reached out to her too. A couple elite camps have yeah. said like, man, let's change things up. I would be greatly inspired if Ronda comes back better than ever, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, really quickly too, you're a martial artist, uh, James. Meryl Streep, and we're not getting into the <laughs> politics of it. This is my opinion really basically on it is that I, I think the toughest people I know in the world are martial artists. So if anybody's going to not care that she doesn't think martial arts is an art, I think the you know martial artists probably fall under that category. But a lot of people were offended by her saying that martial arts are not arts. Were you, A, were you offended Man, or B, does it matter? I woke up this morning and people were going nuts and saying like – I was reading comments about people saying like someone go punch this woman in the face and I'm like – it's a it's 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 a, almost a senior citizen woman. MMA is new new to her, right? Yeah. It, to her, she has no understanding of it. She doesn't has never met anybody in the art. She hasn't seen the type of people that are in it. To her, it is barbaric. It is cockfighting. I mean, she doesn't know. Right. So so yeah, she makes a comment that says like doesn't seem like an art to me, right? And it, I don't even think it had as much you know uh, uh, of it ill motive and like hatred behind it is what people are taking as this outrage and i was like so what i mean she's a 50 year old woman that that doesn't think martial arts is an art that's okay you know what i mean she doesn't know i bet you if she met people that were in the game that were martial artists and came into an academy and witnessed people training she would say wow there's a lot that goes into this this is a strategic approach this is definitely an art form you know but is it really that big of an outrage that you know it's, an older woman like that, that made that comment? Has to make a comment about it. No, yeah, and I don't no. think she was necessarily picking on martial arts to begin with. No, I think she was just she just because she said football yeah. and martial arts. And I think the only reason she picked martial arts is because it had the word arts in it, and she was trying to make a statement. But but in and not to get into it too much, but shouldn't somebody from the arts, as she puts it? realize that art is everything like i could look at what liz is doing right now with her eyes or something like that and go there's like there's some art there absolutely yeah i could look at the way that james presents himself and say there's an art to the way he presents himself to me for her to say that was kind of like well then you don't even understand art because i could throw a piece of gum on the wall and someone might think that's art she would but the the point the point that she was trying to make is that we're gonna that without the arts and without the community supporting each other, that we're going to lose uh, what she uh, views as beauty sure. in the world. Sure. But she he- wasn't necessarily picking on those things. She was saying that we're putting too much emphasis on barbaric 
things. And not to get in the politics yeah. of it, but she she said if we build a wall because we're all we're all right. not yes. from Hollywood. Yes. I'll let you know how many martial artists that I know train in the United States right, and yeah, are they're from all, the United States. So like do a little research Brazil. before you <laughs> right, say yeah. something like, like that. I said, I don't think she was picking on martial arts specifically. She just chose that because it had the word arts in it and it followed in her speech because she was saying, well, that's not art. Well, what and, did she, what and did and she, she say that, exactly? She said, Hollywood is crawling with outsiders and foreigners. If you kick them all out, you'll have nothing to watch but football and mixed martial arts, which are not the arts. They gave me three seconds to say this. An actor's only job is to enter the lives of people who are different from us and let you feel what they it feels like. And there are many, many, many powerful performances this year that did exactly that breathtaking passion at work. That's just one part of what her whole speech. Gotcha. Well, one thing yeah. that I got I to gotta say that people That's probably forget is – yeah, I know. Is it really that? I know. I was not bothered at all. I went about my day completely normal. <laughs> Meryl Streep did not affect my day. But at you know all. what? I'll did tell they, you. Did they close you your what? bank account because yeah, she no, said that or anything? Perfectly fine. <laughs> Here's something. How about instead of being outraged by what she said, be outraged at what the uh, at what brought it about? How about that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, but no. The other but thing no, is, we have to be outraged at what she can said. Can you right. imagine what it's like to live a life where you're under that type of scrutiny? Where like. Any one of us, anybody, you know, if you followed us around all the time and mm. analyzed any statement we make, you could find outrage in anything. I of can't course. believe he said. So like, so <laughs> man, follow Marv. Marv would yeah. be the most vile. person Did you hear in his airplane talk earlier? Like, yeah, you know I mean, don't, <laughs> no, listen. No, it's yeah. Living where there's free speech means sometimes you're going to be offended. Well, yeah, that's what free speech is. Yeah, but, but it's okay to be offended. Right. It's perfectly and that's fine. my. And that's yeah. right. Like yeah. that's you know like. Well, but, she she went off script. And you know what they do? They have the cameras on the people in the audience. And most uncomfortable situation because the people are like, clap, clap, clap. They're looking at the rest of their table because they know if they clap and no one else is at their table that it's like, I wasn't. But like everybody's like, yeah. But okay, if you we're notice, clapping that's what to these that. Award shows have turned into is like the political, political soapboxes, yeah. and I don't want to get into politics. No, but anymore they, that's, they use their time at, to everything do. everywhere is the political soapbox. I, we have a fascination in, in this country, though, of just and it's probably all around the world of just finding other people's business and making our own and yeah. being like, "Can you believe that, well, man?" And, and and part of that is, and that's why like the paparazzi and TMZ and uh, um, all that kind of stuff is big. Is we like to. <clears throat> and it's a sickness. We like to look at other people. Well, it, it's sensationalism, but it's also we like to hold these people up and say, look at this person. This is a shining example. They're a celebrity, and then we like to watch them fall. Of course. Yeah, of because course. it makes us feel better yeah. about our own it's, crappy it's, life. No, you're uh, absolutely it's, it's hitting it's on a it's, it's Yes, exactly. It's, 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 it's exactly it's, what it it's is. It's taking joy from, what, from other people's, other people's misery. Well, because it makes you feel good about your crappy mm-hmm. life because oh, yeah. look at them. They are doing so much worse. My mom used to watch those, uh, like Judge Judy and that crap. <laughs> It, I'm sorry, the crap, Jerry. No, Springer. it is, yeah. and it, it, she would watch it. I swear yeah. to you, it was just for that purpose. Yeah. It was like, oh, I'm not as bad. I well, actually, here's a, here's I hate to say it, but I, I judge people pretty hardly based on how they react in situations like that. Like when I, when 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 a hero falls or somebody that has done well falls, mm-hmm. and I watch other people get like, oh, you know, I'm so happy I saw this person. That tells a lot about character. Yeah. Oh, There's sure. something so. There's two types of people in life. There's people that see people accomplish things and they get like angry and and ah, we talk about that and, all the time. And oh man, I can't believe they get this. And when it's like that has absolutely nothing to do with you. But the fact that you're that bothered by it says so much, much 
about your personality and about at the core level who you are versus like you could look at that exact, you know, the same situation and be inspired by it, be motivated and say, hey, if they can do it, I think I have what it takes to do that. Or but, even just be happy for them. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. There's I mean, it, When you witness things like that, it's an extremely revealing glimpse into someone's psyche. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, move on. UFC cancels plans for fight night event on, uh, which was it? On uh, March, has scrapped plans for the upcoming fight card, night card on March 3rd, which was scheduled to take place on Las Vegas. Uh, the event was supposed to be with like UFC 209, so kind of like, uh, you know, March 3rd, March 4th kind of thing. Um, Really, just my basic thoughts on this because someone wanted me to comment on it. Uh, I think the UFC right now, if anything, needs better scouts out there. Uh, People to find people like James Gray. Now James got great management that's going to go to them. But I I think that you got one superstar in Conor McGregor. You obviously had bad luck with John Jones. You marketed uh, Ronda Rousey, but not Nunez during. So now you have to build up Nunez for the next fight to make her a, pe- a pay per view star. Where if you would have gave her equal attention to Ronda and not put so much pressure on Ronda, that I mean, uh, Joe Rogan put it best on his podcast. He's like, you don't even know Nunez is fighting. Although I watched an interview with Dana White and he said something incredibly intelligent about that because I was saying the same thing. I'm like, man, they're not even showing him Nunez. And Dana White said, if I would have put just as much money into marketing Amanda Nunez, you would still not know who Amanda Nunez is. But if I market the return of Ronda Rousey, the whole world is going to watch Ronda Rousey because of the superstar that she was. And then if Amanda Nunez is able to beat the Ronda Rousey, she's instantly, you know, propelled to this superstardom versus if I would have promoted her incredibly less people, they would have been like, I don't care that Amanda Nunes is fighting in comparison to the return of Ronda Rousey. He broke that down in an interview and I was like, that's actually, that's I can funny. see where yeah. he's going with that yep. because I had the same exact opinion as you on that before. Yeah, that, that's actually a, a, a good a good quote that you picked up by him and stuff like that, you know, and I don't even know how much he has to do with that actually. Um, it's 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 one of those things that clearly Ronda is a gate seller, one of the best pay per view sellers of all time. Uh, they do have a problem in that it's going to be a while till Connor gets in the ring, and they're trying to look for that next superstar to market up, uh, and they're trying to develop their current superstars. And uh, you know, Amanda Bobby Cooper's in that mix too. Um, it takes a while to develop people, make them household names. And not everybody can transcend uh, a sport like Conor McGregor or Aranda does. So what you have here is a development period, probably at the worst time because of the change of ownership for uh, UFC. And, uh, you know, the canceling event, not a big deal because the next night you got 209. But it'll be interesting to see how uh, UFC goes about putting cards together a little bit in the future because uh, – you know, I talk to casual MMA fans. They're just waiting for Conor to get back in there. And these are casual fans that don't watch the rest of the fights. But then the true MMA people, they'll go back to it and, and see where it's at. But um, maybe scouting would be something that I'd, I would say. You know, with, with the internet the way it is, all the fights yeah. are out there anyways. Well, you need you need the scouting and you need to get some good rivalries going because, I mean – You think you James Gray is marketable? Well, His story is amazing. Mar- he's absolutely marketable and that's what you need. You need to get a James Gray that's going to – he's going to be Captain America, all right, of the UFC. <laughs> then you need to find somebody who's going to be like the Reebok Red Skull. says he's not going to be. Well, yeah. and then you got to find someone who's the Red Skull of the UFC and they got to go at it. 
You got to have, you know, Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz again, you For know? Sure. You got to have those rivalries. Historic. If you if you talk about any sport, the rivalries. Yes, like exactly. You know, uh, Ali and Frazier. Yeah, of course. You know, Liddell and uh, and Tito Ortiz. You, you got to have those rivalries or you can't. Like, people are going to lose interest. That's what we got to get again in the well, UFC see, is those rivalries. We talk about, like, the fighters and their stories of how they got to where they are. Yeah. And that's what we liked when um, The Ultimate Fighter with Amanda. Yes. Like, the, her background story. The Ultimate Fighter is a phenomenal gateway into the UFC because it, it, it builds your marketability and it lets the world see you in a more personal form. So once you oh, enter yeah. the UFC, they kind of feel a little connected to you and right. they want to follow your story. So mm-hmm. The Ultimate Fighter was a, a killer idea for the UFC, but I, I read, now I don't know if this is true, that they were contemplating scrapping future yeah. things yeah. of the Ultimate Fighter. And that's yeah. incredibly unfortunate. I think they're yeah. making a big mistake in that because they could build up people for that once they're in the UFC, they already have that kind of that story, that following the you know the people oh, that yeah. support I them. Mean, I think it'd be a horrible decision. That happens with everything, like with it. American Idol. That you know yeah. you start watching them from the beginning, you see that that kid up there, and you're like, I'm gonna. By the time they're they win, it's. Yeah, I don't know what what the reason for for stopping tough would be. Like, I, I mean, it seems. I mean, I understand the ratings are probably not as high as they once were, but it still like it gives you that personal feel with athletes, and that's what you need to build a star. That's what you need to build somebody, you know, to the to the huge stage. Like Amanda's done phenomenally because so many people knew her from the show. The show, mm-hmm. and she lost in the finale, but now you know she, she got to come back and win again and then everyone's behind her again they say okay that was just a tough matchup you know and now she just got a new fight offer which you can't really talk yeah. about but she's on her way she's climbing up you know what i mm-hmm. mean she's she's got the the following of people that kind of see her personal life that have watched the evolution of amanda bobby cooper the amateur boxer who's messing around in mma to the world-class athlete fighting in the largest organization on the planet you know so it's it's been a cool journey Exactly, and that's what I think a lot of people connect with, too, is just the journey itself. Let's uh, move on to some boxing news, and obviously James, uh, boxing's a martial arts, so you can comment on here, too. Everybody get in on this one. Uh, Timothy Bradley, one of the more successful boxers out there at 33-2-1, according to Boxing247.com. Uh, he's contemplating retirement uh, relatively soon. He, uh, his chin has been phenomenal. Uh, he's got an amazing chin. Uh, people remember his uh, fight versus Pervetnikov um, as one of the more exciting fights, you know. Uh, but Timothy Bradley says at the age of 33, he's done pretty damn well and he can't complain. And that maybe a couple more fights, maybe I'll finish out my contract with top rank and be done. Nobody is too big for me, but it's about health too. I'm trying to leave the sport with, a, um, with some sense. So here you got a guy uh, very similar to what some football players are doing now, retiring a little earlier than in, than normal because we're learning a little bit more about concussions. So I'll ask James, uh, uh, you manage a lot of fighters. How closely do you monitor concussions and brain injuries? Uh, I, I re- read and research on the topic extensively, and I try to watch for signs or anything like that in the academy. And we don't we believe in very limited hard sparring. We don't believe in the old method of like every day you show up at the gym, throw headgear on and just smash on each other's brains because like that's that's the find out if you have what it takes to fight. You know what I mean? Beyond that, once you've gotten past that stage, you should be in your academy to learn and progress, whether it's boxing or whether it's MMA, to improve and sharpen your skill set. If you're just letting someone wail on your brain, you're shortening your career, you're, you're, you know, you're cutting years off your life in the end, and, and you might live a very uh, you know, difficult life later on. Like I know some boxers that have a hard time forming sentences, yep. and it's like that's just not – I understand – 
it's a tough sport and people want to almost glorify the grind of like, oh man, I'm in the gym. I sparred 15 rounds. If you're doing that every day, that's, that's just bad decision making. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of take care of your mind and your body and sharpen your tools, man. Go to war out under the lights for money. Well, take, you know, and I, I said this about a fighter and I don't want to name him, but Rochelle will know what I'm talking about. Uh, amateur fighter, been around Michigan for a while. Oh, no, 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 no longer an amateur fighter, a pro fighter. He took a fight, uh, very successful amateur career. I'll tell you off the air who I'm talking about. Sure. Took a fight with a, a big promotion, KOP, and it was a war. And here, this kid's pretty close to taking that next step, maybe Bellator, UFC. And I told Rochelle, you only have about three of those wars in your career. And he just wasted one on a local promotion. I mean, it took him everything to win that fight. And I, I told her, I was just like, you get three of those. Yeah. Because after three of that, things aren't working just anymore. never the same. Right. Yeah. Uh, lucky for you, your amateur career, you never yeah. saw anything. Arm bar, arm bar, you know, yeah, like you're yeah. choke, choke, choke. Uh, you know, you're knocked out once, but the, I mean, that's going to happen over a career, but look how far you've gotten without having that. No, for sure. Like that. For sure. I mean, and I want to live a long, healthy, successful life way after my com- competitive days. You know what I mean? So I does Fowler Bill. The- they want you to. They, yeah. Yeah, they got two things yeah, yeah. and one of them's your, yeah, right. your gym. No, you know? I care about the quality of life I have after. And I, I preach that to my guys. We actually just made a post up in our group recently and say, guys, like hard sparring once a week tops. That's it. If you've already done it, I uh, unfortunately, even if you think you need more sparring work flow spar with somebody you know rip some pads work your form but you just don't need to get beat up in the gym that doesn't make sense for your career it doesn't make sense for your health your career anything you know it's a lot of it's stubbornness and just wanting this idea of like yeah i gotta be tough to be a fighter like you've established that early on you need to show that james gray be intelligent yeah. <laughs> well, we got to uh, wrap up things here. We, uh, I want to thank you, James. Uh, first time in the studio, and it, it couldn't have been yeah, better, man. Absolutely. Just absolutely amazing. Thank you absolutely. so much for finally making absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, like you I need said, to come in more often. Yes. No, man. Anytime you guys ever <laughs> invite me. Just how busy he is, man. Well, I know, but you know. You know. And you got to – and, and – uh, you can't open that third gym before Michigan. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. just putting you it can't out there. Open an affiliate <laughs> location <laughs> right down the street. Right. It's impossible, Jimmy says really. it's impossible. Yeah. You yeah. can't do I don't, it. Nobody <laughs> can do it, really. No. Be successful. <laughs> no. Uh. But yeah, I greatly appreciate you uh, coming in. I want to thank Leonardo Tyner also for being a part of the show. Uh, he's fighting January 22nd. You got some fighters, uh, really good friends with Joseph Donofrio. Um, yeah, we got I, we got we're gonna, five people on that card. Yeah, we're gonna give away tickets here in about like ten minutes. We'll 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 have something you said. No, no, no. We'll post that on Facebook. <laughs> we'll post that on Facebook. We'll, I know. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, oh. no. We'll, 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 we'll think of something James said so that if they listen to it, we'll post it on there and we'll give away four tickets. February fourth, Joe Louis Arena. The last fights at the Joe uh, uh, Donofrio. But you got uh, talk about uh, the five fighters you got going on uh, Joe's card. Uh, I mean, it's it's an all amateur card, but we've got like uh, Colin Anglin, who's a stud, uh, young kid coming up through the ranks. He's sparring with pros every day, and and and, and you know doing phenomenally with high level guys. So he's going in there with the confidence, like, man, I know I'm at the level I need to be at. We got uh, Lindsey Stevens, um, which is one and zero. Oh no, two and zero, two and zero amateur girl. Um, she, her story has been very inspirational because. She uh, was one of those girls that came in completely broken self-esteem and, and just, oh, man, I could never be a fighter. There's no way I could do this. And like to see her 
not only compete but win, and she's done well. It's it's really inspiring. We got Juju Auclair, who's a, a debut girl, one fifteen or one uh, twenty five. Her opponents, we've had two drops, so we're trying to find a third for. Her. Oh. So right now we need an opponent. One fifteen, one twenty five debut, couple fights. Pro debut, Liz. Let's, you know, not pro debut, amateur debut. <laughs> oh, amateur debut. I'm sorry, but yeah, Liz, you come getting on. in there. Okay, but Juju is a beast. Yeah. I'm not going to say much else until after the fight about her, but um, yeah, you need to k- keep your eye on Juju. Well, she, I tried to get you to bring her, and she's out she's of town. In California. But have her come come before fight week. That would be awesome. And then hopefully she does get an opponent before then. Yeah, no, she's she's a, a serious, serious talent. Uh, we got Dylan Carpenter fighting Darnell White. That's a tough fight. Yeah, that's a good fight. Uh, I think that's either co-main or it's up yep. there with you know one of the top ones. And I don't remember the other one off the top of my head. Uh, Brian manages the amateur team. I, re- I run the pro team. So <laughs> I don't remember the other one. I'm sorry. Uh, it'll probably come to me as soon as we get off the air. But, but well, yeah, that's how big you, know. you are. Yeah, yeah, you got to eventually. That's what I'm that's thinking all. in my head is like, how can you remember their, you know, their. Yeah. Generally their speaking, careers. like if, if I wasn't right here on the spot, it, you can walk up to me at any point and go, who is Josh all fighting next? And I'd go 155, Aaron Smith, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, and just, just rattle it off this day, you know. Because it's just, this is my obsession almost. This is all I do. You right. know, I just focus Live on the and team breathe. and the people. Tell uh, Josh Parisian we want him to do a charity uh, bathing suit calendar for the whole whole year. Josh, that's an order. Uh, that and, is an and order. We want, we want to, like, we they should have a, a, a just a radio show of just him and his girlfriend just. Oh, my yes. God. Their tweets are hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, just talking. Unbelievable. Those two were built for lives. each other. Like, I don't really know if I believe in soulmates, but those two were meant to be together, okay? They were meant for it. It made me, they made me laugh so much. They're like my favorite couple on. Uh, I mean, he'll post something and how they go on the thread of going back down and just joking with Parisians each other. fighting uh, Ray Lopez January twenty eighth main event. Yes. Uh, for the pro title, it'd be cool to get him on after that. Maybe Let's have him it. bring Kaylee into the studio. Oh you guys, will have, you guys will have people crying, uh, <laughs> laughing. You know, it's it's they're amazing. They set it up and we'll we'll obviously anything SFS ever wants. Yes, you're, you're open door for you, man. We we don't allow too many people, but open door. Anytime yep. you want to stop by, absolutely. surprise us. Appreciate it, guys. Just come in. Yep. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. All right, share amongst your friends this great podcast. Absolutely good stuff. Uh, Leonardo Tyner and uh, James Gray. See you next week.